Thanks, Jeff. Uh, great to have that reading before us. And um, nice, Tom, that you're able to pick it up in the prayer as well. So thank you for that, mate. Uh, let me pray and ask God's help. And we'll dive into what I hope will be a very helpful time with us this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're present here. Oh, we thank you, Father, that you have a desire for us to know and experience your peace and to know you, our God of peace. So, Father, would you be at work here, softening our hearts? By your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you be preparing us to know and receive and experience your peace? Lord, give us insight into you and open our eyes, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, uh, I don't know. Has anyone, um, has anyone seen this time on the clock before? And I'm not talking uh, just before you have your afternoon tea. Has, has anyone seen this time on the, on the clock? Uh, may, maybe for some of us who've got tiny munchkins, you might regularly see this time uh, on the clock. But, but I want to suggest there are reasons why we might see this time on the clock uh, if we're way past that stage of life. Reasons that are to do with health, stresses, the direction of our life, the things that weigh on us. And we might find ourselves stirring and looking at the clock and wishing the hours away because we just can't believe we're awake again with this pressure and this weight on us. Do you get me, church? Do you know this experience? That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about being anxious but I wanted to reflect on the fact that there's anxious or anxiety. And anxiety is anxious taken to the next level. Anxiety is the racing heart. Anxiety is the unshakable fear. Anxiety is the runaway thought train. Anxiety is different to being anxious and I wanted to note that they're different things. I read some great resources on Beyond Blue last night uh, that are a great place to go to work out if you're suffering from anxiety as opposed to being anxious. And as I speak today on being anxious, um, I want to recognize that they're different and I want to encourage you that should you be suffering from anxiety, I don't want you to hear this as a trite way to treat something that is serious and significant, okay? So hopefully you've heard me carefully. All of us will experience being anxious. Some of us will experience anxiety. And I hope that this will be helpful for both, but there is more help available if you're suffering from anxiety. I hope that's helpful as we start. Why are we talking about anxiety in the book of Philippians? Well, last week, uh, Jeff uh, spoke uh, very helpfully for us on the earlier passage uh, which, when he talked about a new ambition for us and it finished in chapter 4 verse 1. Hopefully you've got this in front of you. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. See, Paul's passion was that they might take this energy, this ambition, this desire and that they would stand firm for Jesus. And I want to say, surely anxiety is one of those things that shakes us and causes us to wobble. Yeah? 
in our standing firm. So you can go, yes, I'm totally, I get Jesus, but today I'm overwhelmed by my anxiety and I'm actually finding it hard to stand. So we want to speak to anxiety and it naturally follows on uh, from where Jeff spoke last week. I want you to know that God cares. He's called in 2 Corinthians 1, the God of compassion and the Father of comfort. And I want you to know that God cares. Whatever the burden that you are carrying, God cares. And today I want to speak a word of hope, not just the encouragement that he cares, but he has a pathway to peace. He has a pathway to peace. And it's laid out for us, I believe, here in this passage in Philippians chapter 4. Now, I want to tell you today, uh, some of you will have come to church hoping just to sit there and a little bit of um, God stuff wash over you, okay? It's not that day today, so I'm sorry for you if that was what you're intending. Today is going to be profoundly practical, and I want you to get your pens out, okay? The kids have gone to great trouble to put a pen on almost every seat. Uh, Ladies, you probably have one, so you can get one out. Gents, you'll need to get the one next to you. Tell you why. Uh, Jeff's going to help me and maybe some other people. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, I've actually got a worksheet for you today that's going to help us through the passage and and that will hopefully lead us down this pathway to peace. So uh, we'll take a little moment as as this piece of paper uh, delivered uh, around the place. And I want to say to you today, I want to invite you into this process. Uh, I want to say to you, uh, I've sweated on this passage this week, and as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, wow, I could speak all these wonderful words to you, but if it doesn't touch you, if you don't think about doing something with it, We've really missed the point of the passage. The point of the passage is come into the process and meet with the God who wants to bring you peace. Now, if you don't yet have a piece of paper, if you can put your hands up, that would be very helpful. Oh, you guys over here. Thanks, Jody. How are we doing, Jeff? Getting there. Very good. All right. Well, as it's coming along, hopefully it'll get there very soon. Uh, As it's coming along, I want you to see that on the left-hand side, you've got the passage laid out um, um, in ant writing, okay, understood. Uh, It's tiny, that's why you've got your Bibles open. But what it has next to it is the stops on our pathway. There are four stops on our pathway. Reconciliation, rejoicing, requests, and realignment. And down the bottom, it'll tell you where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to finding the peace of God and knowing the God of peace. Finding the peace of God and knowing the God of peace. Okay. Now, the other thing to ask probably is, does everyone have something to scribble with? Put up your hand if you don't have something and you need something. You're okay? Phil doesn't. We'll see if we can get you one, mate. Generally, they'll be on a floor somewhere that the kids have tossed them uh, from earlier. All right. Okay, I'm just going to check in with you because you're a little bit, bit shell shocked. Are you okay? Are we going to be all right? Oh, okay, okay. Come with me on the journey. I think it's going to be worth it. All right? Okay, where do we start? Uh, we start with this picture here in Philippians 4 2 to 3. Uh, it, says, uh, it says this. 
I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. See, why might we be shaky? Why might we be uh, not ready to stand firm? This passage starts with the idea of reconciliation, of being made right in the family of God. Uh, It's worth noting uh, that Euodia and Syntyche, or however you'd like to pronounce her name, anything with confidence, uh, these two women are unknown outside of this passage. They're unknown outside of this passage. But Paul, in his letter to the whole church, thought it was worth addressing the two of them uh, for the sake of the church more widely. They are urged to have the same mind, to be of the same mind. You see there in verse 3. If you flip back to chapter 2, you'll see uh, Paul in chapter 2, verse 2, encouraging the church to, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Okay? He's saying we want you to be one-minded. And then he says in, uh, in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The two women are urged to have a common mind because that is the intent for the whole of the church. I love that these people, along with Clement, apparently, at the end of verse 3, they've contended at Paul's side and they are called co-workers whose names are in the book of life. These are not not external parties. Uh, These are people in the church, and they're at odds with one another. And Paul goes, I long for you to be right together. I long for you to be right together. So we're going to have a look at this reconciliation section. That's this section here. Uh, So if you can get your pens out, I want you to think and write down. There There might not be, but you might like to think for yourself Is there someone within the life of the church that I'm not right with? Is there someone within the life of the church that I'm not right with? Uh, It may be uh, that they're a brother or sister outside of the church as well, and you might care to, to write their name down there. I want us to think about that because uh, Paul places it as a significant uh, concern at the start of this passage. Uh, We can't avoid it. And I would suggest that in many cases we can't avoid having this be an issue in our, in our Christian walk as well. So maybe uh, you can have a moment and we'll, we'll write down is, if there's someone uh, that the Lord prompts you to think that uh, you're not right with. So I'll give you a moment to write something down there. So that's the first thing is to acknowledge that. Uh, In uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus is speaking and he says uh, by way of a parable, he says, uh, if you're offering a gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. And so there's a profound sense in which we want to be right with one another. Now, some of you will say, okay, 
that's good. I, I have that intention, but it's been stopped. This next section gives you a chance to reflect on that. Some of you might not have got started, and some of you might have got started. I want you to take a moment to reflect now and think, write down, have I started? Have I not started? Am I resisting starting? I'll give you a moment to, uh, to write down there if, if there are things that you've tried or things that you are trying. There's some great encouragement for us uh, from uh, Romans 12, where Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. It will not be possible always to sort out every problem. And if your life is even remotely like mine, it'll break your heart if that's the case. It'll break your heart. But I want you to know that as far as it depends on you, we must be people of peace when it comes to walking down this pathway of peace. Here's the prayer. And I actually, I actually think it'll be helpful if we pray uh, these together. So you've got it on your piece of paper there. And I've got four of them. So let's pray this first one together. Lord, as much as is up to me, help me to live at peace with all. Where this is not currently possible, help me to start. Amen. All right, so we want to be working towards reconciliation and right relationships inside the church wherever possible. What's next? Uh, has anyone been camping before? Shove hands. Anyone spend a night under canvas? Has, keep your hand up if it was actually canvas. Okay, very good. Hands down. Okay, uh, when it's not canvas, you can have this wonderful colour happen, yeah? So you're inside the tent, and whatever the outside fly colour of your tent is, that's the colour that you are bathed in inside the tent. Does anyone know this feeling? Now, some of you, that's a happy place, and some of you, it's a complete nightmare. Is that right? Okay, all right. Here's the thing, though. Imagine that you decided that the best thing in the world was staying inside your tent, and that you just love the yellow inside of your tent it'd be a bit of a waste of time to go camping, wouldn't it? You could set it up in your garage and be just as happy under the fluorescent lights, maybe even a little bit warmer. Here's the reason you go camping, though. Have a look with me at uh, Philippians 4, uh, 4 to 5, and I'll, I'll change the slide. It says here, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. See, here's the reason. Here's the reason. This is why we go camping, isn't it? We go camping not to sit inside the tent, but to get outside it, to see the view, to see that there's much more to life. I think when Paul says here, rejoice in the Lord, what he's saying is you need to lift your eyes up from the tent of your own troubles and woes. You need to get outside that and look at the view that is bigger than you. Rejoice in the Lord is what he says. He doesn't say rejoice in the situation. Gee, God, I'm glad that I'm overwhelmed with financial stress. Thank you. That'd be a lie, wouldn't it? However, there is still the goodness of God. And so 
Rejoicing is absolutely part of the pathway to peace. This word occurs in Philippians more than in any other book in Paul's letters. Rejoice is on his agenda here. And I want you to see that it's a double command. I'll tell you why. He says it twice. He says, rejoice. And then he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Why does he have to command them twice? Because some tense are pretty interesting on the inside, yes? Get outside and look and see the goodness of God and praise him for it. Twice, he says, rejoice in the Lord. You think, oh, that's a good idea. No, 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 I'll say it again. Rejoice. Did you get it the first time? Okay. Now, when you say rejoice, you mean you may not have to be happy all the time. That is not what is being said. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians 6. He's kind of running through a list of his distresses. He says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. What I want to encourage you is the nature of this rejoicing. Rejoicing is possible with sorrow and in hardship. Its focus is God himself. There is still something good about God in the midst of absolute chaos and disorder. God is still good. Rejoice in the Lord is the encouragement that we have. So let's dive into this rejoicing section. I want you to think about What can you say today, this is still true of God. In the midst of your situation, this is still true of God. He is what? This is still true of God. He is... Can you complete that sentence? For your encouragement, I found the end of the Psalms, 145 to 150, but pretty much all the way through it, If you go there, you will find beautiful things about who God is. Have a listen to these. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Why do I rejoice in God? Because he made everything and because he will always be faithful. Because he's glorious, because he's just, because he's right, because he's true, because he's faithful, because he saved me, because he redeemed me, because he raised Jesus from the dead. I rejoice in God my Savior. Have you got something that you can say, this is still true of God? I will rejoice in him today. Now, when we find worry and anxiety pressing on us, at home and at work, we get more and more lovely. Have you noticed this? My speech gets more gracious. I'm more patient. I serve others with a joyful heart better. Has everyone had this experience with them? not true, is it? So, so here's why we find the next verse. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And you think, how did gentleness get into anxiety? And I'm saying it's absolutely at the heart of what it means to be anxious, doesn't it? And so I want to ask you guys to think through, 
If you had to talk to God and you said, God, I'm asking for gentleness, especially where? Where do you especially need to show gentleness that you might not be at the moment? Where do you especially need to show gentleness that you might not be at the moment? Can I encourage those of you who are sitting there with beautiful, peaceful hearts to pray for the rest of us? If you're thinking, gee, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just smashing this. I have nothing to write down here. I am calm and peaceful everywhere. Can I say, if you're in that state right now, just turn around. About 98.7% of everyone else around you is not in that situation. And just pray for them. That would be great. All right, so here's why we can ask God for gentleness, because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the things he wants to work in us. In Galatians 5, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we go, turn it into prayer. God, help me to be gentle. Work by your Holy Spirit in me, making me gentle, where previously I've been harsh. Can we pray this prayer together? Lord, forgive me where I've failed to see your glory and rejoice in it. Lord, grow the fruit of gentleness in me. Help me to see you afresh and reassure me of your presence. You see, it says the Lord is near. He is close to the anxious. He is close to the anxious. So what do we do? So far, we've looked at our relationships. We've looked at rejoicing and something of our failures in gentleness. Where, where do we go next? Pick up the phone and get on to God. We're moving on to request time. So verses six to seven, this is the engine room of the passage. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See three telephones there? Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. We're talking about making requests to God. Here's why you can make a request to God. It seems like this might be a, a little bit more information than you need, but I want you to see, because when we're feeling anxious, you might think to yourself, God, why do you want to hear my anxiety, right? Because it's a spiral thing, isn't it, anxiety? And it doesn't leave us feeling better about ourselves. It leaves us feeling worse about ourselves. Here's what I want to assure you. God will always want to hear your prayer. He will always want to hear your prayer. Have a listen to this beautiful truth from Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Guys, I've got to tell you, whatever other religious system you're running with, you need to throw it away. That God, any other God, is scary. My God has his son Jesus, the incarnate one who walked among us, who knows what it means to be human. He is at the right hand of the Father speaking on your behalf, and he says, come, bring your anxiety, bring the weight and burdens of your life. I welcome you here. 
There is nothing else like that. Your prayers are welcomed by the grace of our mediator, Jesus. Praise God. So let's get practical on the requests front. Now, I reckon that you might be able to... Luke shared some already. Luke, I can fill some of yours in right now. Um, I'm anxious about... I want you to know you don't have to hand this piece of paper in at the end. Everyone clear? Look at me. Okay. Here's the thing. This will be better if you own it. So I'm going to give you a moment to write down, I'm anxious about. And I want to give you a chance to write something down there, and then we'll continue. Let me say what you might have answered according to research. Apparently, 45% of Australians will find financial stress at some point. Probably higher than that. In terms of saying what's stressing you now, 45% say financial stress. 44% say health issues. Something about you isn't right. 43% say family issues. 39% say trying to be healthier is actually causing you stress. 37%, it's the health of a loved one. You know, it's amazing. If all we did was worry, Jesus has this incredible word for us. This is what Jesus says. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And the congregation said? And some of you said, actually, can I think about that? I'm not sure I've got the right answer. The answer is no. You cannot by worrying add a single hour to your life. Not a single minute. In fact, what does it tell us by stress? We're actually shortening our lives, aren't we? All right. So what should we do? My prayer is that you. I I want this to be an honest moment too. God, I would like you to what? By prayer and petition, present your request to God. So what's your request? See, I think for many of us, we have a runaway uh, hamster wheel in our head of worry. And it doesn't get to a request to God. It just runs around in a little circle. Do, 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 you, do you get me? I want you to see what would I ask God to do? What would I ask him to make different? And if the answer is fix it, that, that's fine. might be a little bit less specific than you intend. But what do you want God to do? Write it down. Take a moment to say what you'd like him to do. That might be the first time some of you have done that before. I want to encourage you from Ephesians 3. In Ephesians 3, it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Who is the God you're speaking to? The God of small things? Or the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine? You may as well ask big because he is a big God. And then it says, present your your prayers and requests with thanksgiving. And you go, thanksgiving? Didn't I do the rejoicing already? 
Where's the thanksgiving come from? There's a great, uh, great moment in, uh, in Apollo 13. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. Uh, the spaceship starts to blow up, and the dashboard is full of lights. The guys on the ground are going, we've had a quadruple failure. That can't happen. Are you sure this is all right? And, and the guy sitting on the, on the ground, the, gra- the controller, he says, all right, all right, let's stop. Let's think about this diff- a different way. What have we got that's good on this spaceship? We could keep calling out all the things that are broken. We could keep doing that if we want to. And you might be able to fill up your sheet with those things. But I want you to stop for a moment, flip it on its head and go, what's good about this spaceship? What can I give thanks for today? And, and some of you might find that incredibly difficult to find anything to give thanks for. I'll stop. You're here today. I'm thankful for that. What can you give thanks for in the midst of, this, in the midst of these circumstances? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. What can you give thanks for? Let's pray this prayer together. Lord, I commit my fears and worries to you. Help me to develop the practice of turning my worries to petitions and prayer with thanksgiving. Grant me your peace. And look, that is, that is the majority of what we're doing today, but there's one more step. There's one more step. And uh, it's here in verses 8 to 9. Have a look at this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What does God want for us? He wants a realignment of our mind, a realignment of our mind, to behold something better, to fill up on the good and the right and the pure and the true. Behold something better, a realignment of our brains. So we look at this fourth section here, realignment. And and I want you to think with me for a second. (laughs) Maybe it's already happening. Uh, My mind usually turns to. So when the mental screensaver comes up, you know, you're in that meeting that's gone too long. And you're just drifting. Where does your mind turn to? My mind usually turns to what? Mush is a good answer, but bear with me. Here's some things, here's some things that your mind might turn to. It might turn to a known past that gives you grief that you can't let go of. You just turn it over and over. It might turn to an unknown future that you're fixated on. I don't know what will happen here. I don't know what will happen here. I don't know what will happen here. Some of you, it will turn to selfish fantasy. We'll just be thinking about an ideal that we would love for ourselves that's different to now. For some of us, it'll be a spiral of worry. We start on one thing, and before we know, we're wondering about our own sense of worth. For some of us, we'll turn to plotting. Now, what I really want to do, I can't wait to, they did the, I'm going to, so we're plotting. For some of us, you're not plotting, or you're plotting your escape anyway. All you want to be is somewhere else. And so you escape to your happy place. 
Where does your mind usually turn to? I'll give you a moment to jot that down. I suspect some of you turn to the thing that you worry about. <laughs> That's what you worry about. All right. I think it's very profound that he talks about filling your mind with what is good. And uh, I want you to think with me for a second. I want us to make a decision today to, to do something specific. Okay, I'm choosing to stop filling my mind with what? Well, here's an example from my own life. Um, I started watching a, a thing on Netflix called House of Cards. And I got into it, and we got a couple of... It was really interesting... But, and I decided that I wasn't being helped by the conniving, lying, adultering mongrel who was the centre of the, of the thing. And so I decided, I said, I said to Carol, look, beautiful, I, I just think, I, I think we've got to stop watching it. Now, there are other things that you can be watching, aren't there? And I want us to think about, am I filling my mind, start to finish with social media, Maybe you're obsessed with the news cycle. What are you filling up on that you can decide, actually, do you know what? I could just stop that. I could delete that. I could take that off. I could not watch that anymore. There is no compulsion to finish the series. Does anyone know this? You can do it. There's your word from today. All right. I'm choosing to stop filling it with. Think of something really practical right now that you're saying, I'm actually going to stop that. Write it down. The next one's far more positive. I'm going to choose to start filling it with what? Well, funnily enough, if I'm going to watch TV, I, I probably should watch The West Wing. It's a much better version of, uh, of, of, of American politics. And I end up watching that and thinking, I want to be a better man. I love it. Absolutely love it. I, maybe I want to listen to podcasts where I'm actually getting good information into me. Uh, instead of browsing social media, if I open a prayer app, it's going to put the Bible in front of me and remind me of people I should be lifting up to God. Maybe that's a better thing for me to be doing. Maybe, and this is something I'm thinking about going back to doing, reading biographies of Christians. If you haven't read this one, it is absolutely glorious. Absolutely glorious through Gates of Splendor. Has anyone read it? Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. I mean, wow. And when I read that, I think I am living a pitiful expectation of the Christian life. I need to be aiming higher. And what it does is it says to me, there's more to this life. I can be living better for Jesus. Read biographies. And there's this book called The Bible. Has anyone heard of that? You can read that. You'd fill up on lots of good things there. Let, me, let us finish this section with this prayer here. Lord, help me to treasure what is best. Look with mercy on your servant and help me to know you and your peace. Guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus, your son. So what have we done today? Has it been practical? Okay, good. We've talked about reconciliation. We need to start by working on our relationships we talked about rejoicing. Come outside the tent and look at the views. See the goodness of God. We've talked about bringing your request, not worries. Don't get stuck in the worry cycle. Break it out and turn it out to requests to God. And we've talked about realigning our mind, filling it up with what is good and best. And so I want to ask you today as we finish, do you know the God of peace and his gift of peace? Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, you know the things on our bits of paper. I pray, Lord, that you would break us out, that you'd open our eyes, and that you might grant us that most precious and elusive of things, your peace. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.